Hey guys, Happy New Year. Uh, a reminder, the Just Hands Poker Podcast is brought to you by our partners at solve for why solve for why is a unique poker coaching experience from high-stakes pros Matt Berkey, Christian Soto, Jordan Young, and now Zach and myself. solve for why is the only poker training camp that teaches live poker strategy. solve for why turns conventional poker wisdom on its head by providing students with a unique poker philosophy, utilizing real-time analytics, emphasizing psychology and personal interaction, and recording and reviewing students' play using RFID technology. The Solve Why Advanced Poker Training Academy delivers a framework to think and act differently. Solve Why is Poker Evolved. To learn more, head to SolveForWhyAcademy.com or use the link in the show notes. Hey there, old sport. Hey, man. How's it going? Good. Finally getting settled back in Jordan. Nice. I'm on a just-hands-approved uh, trip down to Florida. I'm sitting outside now, uh, one of the very, very few podcasts I've actually recorded outside. Uh, extremely pleasant. Some iguanas in the mix. Yep, it sounds sounds pretty good. It doesn't sound like you're outside. No, no, it's uh, very calm weather, very serene. Good. So, man, I've got a hand, uh, not from Florida. I haven't got most of my grinding. is going to be on this, the back half of this trip. Uh, but I've got a hand from when I was home uh, in Cleveland uh, a couple days before Christmas. Oh, cool. You mean like a week after Hanukkah? You could say that. I could. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So this was a fun this was a fun uh, session because I was at the table with former Just Hands guests Dave Mills and John Metz. Nice. Uh, nice. And this hand actually led to some, not heated, but there was some major disagreement between myself and John about uh, the best play for this this hand. Yeah, here, I'll get into it. So Dave is under the gun. Uh, he opens to $20. I guess I'll give some, some background on Dave. I think Dave is uh, one of the one of the one of the best players at the table. Uh, definitely a winner is going to make good decisions post-flop. I think he plays... He's going to be a little bit tighter under the gun. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the most positionally sensitive people at the table. So, yeah, I think this is, you know, a pretty strong open. Okay. Okay. Under the gun one calls. Under the gun one is a older guy who has been very snug so far. Uh, the tightest bag at the table is a guy I would say is unlikely to get involved in a pot without uh, you know a very strong hand. Um, folds to the button. Who calls? The button is the exact opposite. Uh, the button button has been v pipping probably probably at least fifty percent, and he's he's stated that he uh, can't really fold pre flop. So uh, is, what is it nine handed and how long is your like? I think sample? we're eight handed because I think I think John was standing up. Okay. No, 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 he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. But we are we're nine handed. My sample is probably about an hour at this point. But I, I mean, he's definitely shown down hands that like you know make it clear that he is in fact playing like at least fifty percent of hands. So okay. uh, yeah, I have no doubt that this is like an extraordinary loose call. You know, I would, I would, I would not be. I would be surprised if he wasn't flatting with a hand like, you know, seven six offsuit. Got it. Okay. Um, 
So it's it's yeah. probably more like seventy percent of hands. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, it could be seventy percent of hands. I wouldn't be shocked, you know. But I think it's I think it's probably around. I think my best guess is like sixty percent of hands. He's gonna flat with on the button here. He has done a little bit of three betting, and he's actually done some limp raising. But oh. he, he's he's had a mixed strategy pre-flop, but he's been involved in most pots. Yeah. So I'm in the big blind with a uh, 9-7 of spades. I think I have basically one option here. Uh, call. Yeah, we should never, ever be folding. And, you know, no sense in three-betting. One of the best players at the tables, you know, under the gun range without a good hand and squeezing out the guy you want to play pots with. Yeah. I think I'm the effective stack, and I have like 900 or so. Okay. Two five thousand cap game, and this is the only two five game in the room, so I don't I don't know if that matters. But. Okay. So uh, the flop is interesting. We got five six seven rainbow with one spade. So I flop top pair, a gut shot, and backdoor spades. Any case for leading here? Um, I think there's definitely I mean, I, a case for, for yeah, leading. Yeah, I think I agree. I think there's definitely a case for leading. So I think Dave here is going to like correctly play somewhat straightforward, where there's just there's not a ton of value in you know doing a lot of seabed bluffing. I think if anything, this is going to be a spot where you're just exploitably wanting to you know get value um, from worse hands from the player on the button, and especially with you know someone he sees as an adept poker player in the big blind like yourself, he's, you know, probably going to correctly not want to set up many multi-street barrels against you and more just put himself in situations where you can be getting value from the fishy player and not, you know, setting up big bluffs against either of the other two players. So given that, I think that makes it a better case for leading than normal because you're, there's going to be less value in bluff catching against Dave's C-bets. Um, and by checking, if then Dave checks, you allow the button to realize, you know, his equity with a ton of hands, uh, that would have called a lead that a lead of yours. So actually now that I'm thinking about it, especially because the board favors your range and how deep are you with Dave? Uh, I'm the effective stack. So about 900. Yeah. So, so you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're somewhat deep, you know, very large SPR right now. So actually, I think I prefer leading because then it also, you know, with with the with you know not just having top pair but having the backdoor spades and having the gut shot. I think you know, let's say the worst outcome happens when you lead and you know maybe like Dave raises. Well, you know now you have you have some options or he calls and the button isn't isn't in the pot. Like I think it allows you to have more flexibility in future streets with your whole range than if you opted to like check call. Mm-hmm. So, I agree there's a case for leading. I think a big, I think a big case for leading, so I think a lot of this depends on how Dave and Under the Gun 1 are going to play their over pairs. I think both of them, the majority of their, you know, hands that could call this lead are going to be over pairs. Dave could have some 7-8, maybe some 6-7. And I, some eight nine for sure, but I think Dave. Maybe I maybe I'm wrong, but I would not be surprised if Dave would have like a limping strategy at this table with like fives and sixes. Uh, and some other hands. 
<laughs> yeah, and some other hands, you know. Um, maybe eight, nine. Maybe, you know, maybe those two connectors, too. He might, he might be limping everything under the gun. Obviously not, but uh, <laughs> he could be limping a lot. Anyway, basically my point is I think the majority of Dave's hands and under the gun one's hands that are going to be able to continue are going to be over pairs. I think a big part of my decision to check or lead here depends on how I expect those players to play over pairs. I think if I think that they're going to check back over pairs, uh, which I think is definitely a possibility from Dave and not so much a possibility from under gun one, I think there's a good case for leading. Uh, because basically, if that's the case, then... I don't stand to benefit from the information I get uh, from Dave or him checking. You know, if they're going to check basically their whole range, uh, and it'd be better, I'd be better off charging the overcard hands from which I need a good amount of protection uh, right now. And then I think I have plenty of obviously value targets from the button to make this bet. So I think leading is solid, especially if I. My hunch was that these guys would bet their overpairs in the moment, although when when it, when I came back around to me again, I, I definitely considered that Dave, in particular, might have checked some of his over pairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he would be betting a lot of hands like nine cents jacks here. Anyway, uh, you know, without bogging too bogging out too much on this decision, I think leading would be a good play. Um, but I decided to check, uh, and I, had, you know, expected to basically check all flops, which is you know a mistake I think a lot of people make where they expect to check all flops and then a flop comes down that. Maybe they shouldn't check, uh, but they're sort of in default mode. I definitely think I was victim to that, whether or not I made the right play. Uh, but yeah, I checked. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I I I think I think leading is is almost certainly a better option, but you know, not by a ton. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's close. Uh, I'm not I'm not as confident as you, but regardless, I checked, and Dave and Under the Gun also check. Uh, and then the button bets 40 into 80. So what are you doing here in my shoes? Also close. So, you know, if it was just against the button, I think we have a pretty clear check raise for value. Um, and now this comes back to the question we had on the flop is, you know, how are how is under the gun another gun plus one playing their over pairs? So if they're checking back, you know, some of their overpairs, especially someone like Dave. Well, I think that makes check raising even better because, you know, I I think it's, you know, very hard. And I think Dave's a good enough player that if he has a hand like pocket nines or pocket tens, he's going to, especially as deep as he is, going to fold that to a check raise where he'd have a pretty straightforward call if you just, you know, call the bet where you really want to, like, be heads up in a pot against the button. And you almost certainly have a decent amount of equity against, you know, his bet calling range on the flop. So kind of talking through it a little bit, I, I think I'm leaning towards the check raise. Yeah. Uh, I, to me, this is like a pretty clear check raise, mm-hmm. but this was a, a serious point of contention between John and myself. And then uh, I didn't get as much of a chance to talk about with Peter, but my sense was that he disagreed with the play. Basically, and I'll just, you know, try and give John's argument since I think it's interesting. John is basically saying, like, this hand is too strong to bluff. I have a ton of bluffs. And 
with this is not a hand I need to be turning into a bluff right now. Because I actually, I don't know if this is exactly a value bet when I raise here. Because let me, I think the button is going to have worse hands to call for sure. Like a lot of pair plus draw hands will call and are worse than 9-7. And also I think he could call with some barriers for sure. Would he call with a hand like ace-6 on the flop? If I raise, I'm not sure. I'm a little skeptical that he would. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I guess very loose preflop doesn't necessarily mean very loose post. Yeah, I mean, like, if I'm going to raise, I'm not going to be raising small. Like, uh, I don't think there's a ton of value. Oh, you don't? Uh, See, I was I was thinking you would, like... I think my hand's I, too vulnerable. I think I mostly want... Folds are want not folds. an issue okay. here. Yeah, you know, like... Yeah, folds are not an issue. Like, you know, my opponent's in position, he's going to be able to, or in, in theory, he's be able to react to new information better than I am. I can, just because he's in position. You know, in practice, like, I think I mitigate a lot of that edge, uh, or that natural positional edge with my skill edge, but still. Like, I'm not, you know, if, if I had, like, also, if I had, like, a set of sixes, like, you know, not that I think balance is particularly important in this spot, but, like, if I had a set of sixes, like, I wouldn't, you know, two and a half exit here. And I think, like, if Dave is holding aces, like he's gonna know that. So I think sure. I have to yeah. because Dave's in the pot, choose like a balance sizing and it's gonna mm-hmm. be big. Yep. Uh, okay. and so when I raise that size, I don't think I get called by like A six. I do think I might get called by like A seven, King seven, like Queen seven. And I think he could easily have like all offsuit A seven, uh maybe offsuit queen seven, maybe offsuit king seven. I'm um, not positive. I wasn't positive in the moment, uh, for sure. So, uh, I <laughs> I lost my train of thought a little bit. But let me just let me just get back to like the main point. The main point is I think that like I think if I raise here, it'll be really hard for Dave or under the gun one to continue with any one pair hand. And so I think I can potentially shut out a lot of equity with this raise. You know, I'm not even if I just call the forty. Like I think Dave might call with a hand like ace king with a backdoor flush draw or something you know with a great price yeah and me you know severely capping myself i think when i flat here uh and i could flat some eight nine because it's a rainbow board but like you know i think i would probably just raise that because i would want to get value against uh, portions of the buttons range so i actually think this is a spot where i'm probably just going to raise basically everything i'm going to continue with I might have like a very narrow, like sort of exploitatively narrow calling range. Maybe not actually. I might just go ahead and raise with everything here. Obviously, everything I'm gonna continue with it. I have a big folding range too. How does that strike you? Raise or fold spot. I mean, I I I think you should definitely have a calling range, but I I, I under I understand that like. You well, should... what hands would you call with? In this spot, I'm definitely happy calling with like seven eight specifically i think that makes for a much better call in seven nine but it's a similar hand but you mm-hmm, have more but, equity yeah but for the same reasons that i think nine seven performs as a raise i think eight seven performs well as a raise uh just you're shutting out so much equity i think yeah i think it definitely performs performs well as a raise um the question is do we want to be raising it you know 100 percent of the time with you know a good player to our left, and well, a good player who I think is just very capped, just based on being an under the gun raiser. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. So, yeah, if he's the undergun raiser and then checking here, I mean, I think he is going to do this some of the time with maybe a hand like aces. Uh, and we'll do this some of the time with sets. But, yeah, by checking, his range is definitely weaker, even though he, he still clearly has, I think, uh, you know, some good hands, good hands well, in that range. Well, I just want to clarify that I think, actually, aces is not a strong hand here. Uh, not particularly, but I, I don't aces, think... Aces is just a bluff catcher that like has very little, not very little, but little ability to improve. Uh, yeah, I, I would rather when you're this deep, I'd rather have you know seven, eight in Dave's shoes than yeah aces. For sure, it's it's you know it's it's shockingly better. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, th- th- thinking it through, there's there's not like there's certainly not any combo in which I feel like a call is like clearly better than raising thinking it through. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure really to make the leap of this being a razor fold thing, but I, I, I understand your logic. Basically like the dynamics are such that I think that I can, or what I think I should be thinking. And I wasn't thinking this at the time as we'll get to at the turn, but what I should be thinking is that like, this is a spot where I think with most of my hands that have like reasonable equity and reasonable blockers, I can just be barreling here. And between Dave and Under the Gun being capped and the button just having too many hands, like it's just a really great spot for me to just raise here and barrel turn. With a ton of hands, uh, yeah, for sure. Just with yeah. like anything that has, you know, like, you know, something like 6, 8, 2, which would function a little bit more as a bluff than 9, 7. But yeah, I just think I can deny it. I just, you know, I can capitalize on a range advantage here. Uh, you know, the range the range that I'm going to be continuing with is going to have an advantage over basically anyone else's range at this point by a long shot. And for the most part, anyone else's range that they could possibly continue with. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'd want to think about it more before definitively saying, like, we should be raised folding here. But I'm definitely getting more convinced, the, you know, as I hear you make this argument, and think that, for one, there's definitely a lot of spots like this in multi-way pots that I think people don't think about critically enough, especially when you're, you know, playing live poker at stakes where, you know, maybe you have one kind of tough opponent in the hand and several, you know, more straightforward opponents. Like, there's a ton of spots where you can, with a really wide range, I think just profitably, you know, make some big bluffs. And it's hard for people to really combat it, at least in the short term. Yeah. So good for you for seeking out those spots, Jock, and, and going for it, pulling the trigger. Thank you. Yes, I, I did pull the trigger. Uh, 165. I think I actually could have made it bigger, but I think it's I think it's solid. Yeah. So Dave folds under the gun. One folds, and the button calls. Any uh, any physical timing information about this call from button? Uh, this guy didn't do much tanking, it appeared. Okay. And so he called fairly quickly. Okay. <laughs> so before I say the turn, let me tell you what my mindset was and what I think it should have been. My mindset was I've cleared out the equity I wanted to clear. This guy is a little sticky. And I think I should only continue barreling because I'm basically thinking that I turn my hand into a bluff. I should only continue barreling on spades. Or obviously if I 
you know, make it straight, I'll bet. That was my mindset. I think that's the wrong mindset. Let me give you the turn card first and then explain my thoughts uh, in retrospect. And then we can talk about, like, you know, what are turns where I should be continuing and what are turns where I shouldn't be continuing. Mm-hmm. So the turn was the jack of clubs. It did bring a back door, not my back door. Uh, and I checked. So as I just alluded to, I, I think I should be barreling here. Uh, and let me explain why. And this is something that I'll just, you know, say in advance that John also pushed back on basically saying that like he thinks I'm being a little bit overconfident in my ability to predict my opponent, which is fair because this is a bit of a strong read. But basically my thought with this hand is that with a barrel, I have a lot of fold equity against the hands I'd want to fold. And I think I have a good chance to get called by worse. And so that sounds kind of insane, but let me explain. Hands I would love to see fold include like a7, king 7, 10 7. And also, uh, I'd be happy to see a bear 8 fold, since that has, like, you know, solid equity against me. Uh, especially an 8 with an overcard. Ace 8 versus deuce 8, or even 4 8. Uh, oh, sorry, I was 4 8 straight. Anyway, I think it's like a bear 8 or a 7 to fold, and I can get called. By hands like seven eight, six eight, six four, uh, five four, six four, six nine, five nine. Yeah, I'm 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 with you on this. This actually seems this seems like a pretty straightforward barrel. Um, with with a guy playing this loose preflop, he's just going to have so many hands that feel like they can't fold on the turn. You know, pair plus straight draws, and you just beat all of those pair plus straight draws. You know, you're blo- you're blocking some of them. But, yeah. You know, you 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 beat them. And then, based on the way you describe this player, it's like, even if he called quickly on the flop, maybe with just, like, H6, he doesn't believe you. This type of guy, whereas if you make a big barrel or, like, a medium-sized barrel on the turn, he's folding all of his, um, you know, one pair of hands, both worse and better than yours. Right? This guy didn't strike me as insane. Like, I'd, I'd be really surprised if he didn't fold a hand like H7 to a turn barrel here, where I think H7 is very likely to call. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, this is another, just like the flop where I should have considered leading. Uh, this is a spot where, you know, I think if I had given myself a little bit more time to think about it, I would have made the right play. So, are there any cards where you think I shouldn't be leading? I think a, I think a four or an eight are two pretty clear cards not to lead. Maybe a six. I, I would not lead a six. Um, eight, I'm. I feel like we should probably bet here. Maybe maybe just like not not large, but you know. We'll, we'll oh, sorry, 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 sorry. An eight, I have straight. I meant, uh, I meant a nine. Oh, yeah. Let's definitely check a nine. Yeah, the nine does give me two pair though. I would consider betting small, like very small. I don't think it's impossible that he called me with two pair on the flop either. I think there's there are some worse two pair. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think a a nine, a six, a four are two cards not to barrel in the same way. A nine, maybe a small barrel, maybe a check. Six and a four, definitely a check. Five. 
Yeah. What five's about five? Close. I think I think five yeah. probably check too. Yeah, I think five is a solid check. Ten is interesting. But I think jack through eights and obviously a three and a deuce are for sure like hundred percent barrels. Seven obviously just bet for value. Uh, sorry about this little bird noise. Tropical paradise, man. I'm, I'm yeah, jealous right now. It's a lot there's literally like a there's literally like a six foot iguana like just standing like right in front of me. It's pretty sweet. Nice. So yeah, I think we basically know the right strategy on different turn cards, and I think that this overall strategy is just going to totally print against this player. Yeah. So I did check, uh, and my opponent checked back, you know, without thinking too much. So I think it's somewhat unlikely my opponent has worse two pair now. Uh, or sorry, not worse two pair. Has two pair? I'm not positive, but I, I, I would, that's my guess. The river comes a nine. So now I have two pair. Do you think there's merit in betting here? Um, I think it's close. I think this player has a lot of eights as played. I'm I'm strongly inclined to think that if this player has any two pair on the turn, he's betting it the vast majority of the time when check two. So I just think we don't really have many value targets here. And, you know, I think we're going to have maybe some eights that we play this way. So um, I'm not sure we need to be betting betting 9-7, nor can we realistically get called by that much worse. It might be it might be best to play it as a bluff catcher. But I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Close. I wasn't I wasn't thrilled about bluff catching. I think it might be best as a check fold, but I did bet small for value. I think there are some clear worse hands that we'll call. Uh, 9-6, 9-5. Uh, I think 9-10 is a possibility. Yeah, I don't think my opponent really has any jacks that I beat, so that's not really a, that's not really a possibility. It wouldn't be totally totally insane to me if like this guy had like ace nine or king nine with like a backdoor flush draw, but I would be surprised. So yeah, I think given like all the eights, I think this player could have. Uh, I think this should just be a check fold, uh, but I bet one twenty five, and something very frustrating happened. My opponent very aggressively said raise and then threw out a, a min raise to 250. <laughs> so to recap, I bet 125 into like 420 and my opponent raises to 250 total. So I'm calling, I would be calling 125 to win a total pot of like 675. Yeah, this is just one of those kind of, I feel like, almost in different spots, you know? Yeah, and this is like the other thing about, yeah, I think it's close. Like, base, I'll, to give you my thought process, like, if it had just been a min raise, I would have folded. Given the aggressive nature, and I think that that's often not a sign of strength. Yes. Uh, I called, and he had king eight offsuit. Yeah, later, I, I think also if this hand had happened after playing with him for another hour, uh, I would have folded. Because he just kind of had an aggressive manner about him. So I don't think this was actually as aggressive as I perceived it. But, yeah, this is the other problem with, like, the tiny value bet. is <laughs> like you, you feel like you induced a bluff. You know, 
Like, I, I think it would be reasonable for someone at this like level of thinking to look at that bet with a hand like a six, you know, if he had something like that, or even a seven, be like, this guy doesn't have a, you know, freaking straight, like, I'm going to raise. And then, like, saying raise, <laughs> and then being like, okay, like, I'm just going to mid-raise. I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's possible. So I don't, like, you know, I don't think this call is horrible, but, you know, I was wrong. Yeah, I feel like in this hand, it was just, like, a lot of, a lot of very close spots where if you get a few of them wrong, you know, it could feel like you really messed something up where, you know, you're just getting a series of close spots, maybe making a couple not great. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not convinced the, the, like I, th- I think, th- I think starting by checking the river is almost certainly best, but like, yeah, um, I feel that way too. But I, but I think it's, you know, a small mistake to be betting, maybe a small mistake to be calling. Probably not. You know, I think the only the only mistake that to me seemed, you know, pretty apparent was on the turn. But again, this is just like it's a, you know, it's a you open yourself up to getting in tough spots when you start trying to maximize your EV and doing crazy things like only raising or folding on the flop. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little disappointed by my play in this hand. I think like I think I had a really awesome spot and. I didn't play it correctly, and I got a bad run out, and it cost me some money. So, look forward to playing better in the future. <laughs> and uh, I think the main, my main takeaway here is that like I'm going to be really looking for other spots like this where I can get called by worse in the form of pair plus dry hands and get better to fold in the form of you know one pair of hands with better kickers. Like I think. I think those spots are going to come up and I'm going to be vigilant uh, in the future about those spots. Great. Good, good, right, man. New, good New Year's resolution. Thank you. All right. Happy New Year to you, man. Happy New Year to all of you who are listening. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I look forward to another great year of Just Hands brought to you by Solve for Why.